You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us. Good morning, everybody. How are we doing this fine, slightly overcast, but yet wonderful weather morning? It's good to see everybody. I'm coming from Vegas, so this is, this is nice right now. Over there, it's about 100. So, um, so happy to be here. Uh, it's been, gosh, two weeks now. And uh, wife and I, you know, as mentioned, coming from Nevada. Uh, big thank you to everyone that helped us move about a week ago. I know Steve mentioned that one is a last-minute call. So, guys, thank you so much for that. Um, exciting times for us. You know, first time I've been able to preach uh, for the South Bay. My uh, mom came out uh, coming from San Diego. There's June. She's your sister in Christ. Uh, Anil, someone I actually worked with in Vegas, uh, he lives in Torrance, just so happens, small world after all, right? Uh, he came out today as well. And uh, Andrash, I met him literally about four or five days ago. He saw some stuff in, front, in the front yard as we we're doing this move. He was interested in one of the items, and we had a conversation. He came out today as well. It's a pleasure to meet you. <laughs> and if you are visiting, I don't know your name. Hi, and I'm looking forward to meeting you shortly. Um, that being said, uh, we've been going through in the South Bay uh, this you know, book of Romans, specifically reading Romans backward is kind of our, is our focus material. Uh, this great notion is, you know, you look in Romans, if you know much about Romans, a lot of times we can think about the, the, the systematic theology. We can think about all the abstract, heady chapters 1 through 11 uh, items that, and forget, forget that it's very much about uh, Roman house churches. There's a context of people that are going through different things, right? And it, it mentions this notion of two different groups, and you have a weak group and a strong group, a, a Jewish group and a Gentile group, the haves and the have-nots, uh, those that may be a little more condescending, those that just exercise their freedom, they're not worried about offending anyone or how they feel, right? And what we're talking about today is life in the spirit and continuing this, this uh, series. We've, we've covered mo- most of uh, kind of different aspects. What we're getting today is very much about the practical theology, the, um, the solutions, if you will, to what we mentioned before in the previous sermons. What is the, the common ground for these groups, the have and the have-nots, the weak and the strong? How do we bring them together? And life in the spirit is a title for today and very key and point to a common denominator that we all share. Amen. We're going to look in, in Romans. Uh, it's, there's so much to cover, so you can't really do it justice. Uh, you know, like literally one verse is a 40-page paper. And so I'm going to do my best to present an overview. Uh, we'll have some practicals and some great questions to consider as well. In the beginning of Romans 7, it depends on kind of how you look at it from, a, from an academic perspective. Is Romans 7, is this life without Jesus before you're a Christian? Is it life after you say Jesus is Lord? And the seemingly waffling, non-committal answer I might offer up and others as well would say is yes. And there's elements of both. There's elements of before you're a Christian, and you can see it in Romans 7 and after as well. And we're going to dive into these passages. Uh, point number one is don't push the red button. If you're anything like me, there's something about the red button that is just so attractive. <laughs> and you can't help it. You, you know you're not supposed to. It's not a good idea. But you're like, wait, it's, just, it's, it's so shiny, though. And it's red. I just... <laughs> Yeah, just give a little touch. I have three kids, right, ages eight, six, and three. And so anytime you tell them not to do something, hey, three-year-old Cyrus, don't go in the street. Not a good idea. Right, right. 
And then he looks at the double yellow lines, and he's like, wait a minute, but I just got to check this out and see what happens. You know, and that's how kind of very much of our nature. And Romans 7 touches on this a little bit, and we're going to focus on verses 7 and 8. It says, so I, I'm sorry, make sure I get this right. I'm trying to get my uh, screen. It says, what shall we say then? Is the law sinful? And this is in context of, you know, Israelites, 600 plus commands to which they had to adhere. And so and you find out unequivocally your best effort in trying to follow that many commands, you're likely going to fall short, right? And it says, is the law sinful? Well, certainly not. Nevertheless, I would have not known what sin was had it not been for the law. Who have not known what coveting really was, had the law not said, you shall not covet. But sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, produced in me every kind of coveting. So we know that the commands are good. If you say do not steal, that's a good thing, even if we broke it and, and did it. Um, for myself, I think about myself personally, I know that the scriptures say debauchery is probably not a good idea. But there's something about a Netflix series that I might find after the kids go down and it's 9 p.m., maybe like Queen's Gambit, for example, one that I, I just, I saw it probably the entire series, maybe you did as well, six to eight episodes in maybe like a 30-hour like a period. And I had work the next day. I, I don't know how many cups of coffee I had and, and extra prayers, but, you know, we, we know that the commands say something, but there's just something about the, the, the internal struggle, if you will, the temptation that it, it's attractive. And that's point number one is we get introduced and we see this idea of sin. It's a pretty quick point. Point number two is talking about very much the battle within, the shared struggle. Romans 7, 14 through really 24, um, you, you see this interesting languages in, in, in 14 through 21. It mentions the idea of like, I know the good I have to do. It, I don't do. It says like the word do about 15 times. I, I don't do what I want to do. I keep on doing what I not want to do. And this I keep on doing. In verse 21, to kind of sum it up a little bit, it says this. I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me. Waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? This shared struggle that we all have to go through, right? The haves and the have-nots, the weak and the strong, it stops here. Because we all face this battle with sin. I think of like uh, AA groups or Narcotics Anonymous groups or chemical recovery groups. You walk in right off the bat. First thing, hi, my name is Joseph Smith and I'm an alcoholic. When we come to church, our first thought should be, hi, my name's Rhett Butler. I'm a sinner. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes we can walk into church and say, hi, my name's Rhett Butler, and everything's perfect, perfect about my life. I mean, my family's great. There's no problems. It's, it's not real. The truth is, is that we all are going through something internally. And just like an AA meeting, just like an NA meeting, there's this desperate need for some type of rescuer. There's desperate need of shared accountability, desperate need for encouragement. How nice is it to be together again after a year plus of seeing people's face on a phone 
or a computer. We come together and we understand, we should understand unequivocally how much we need each other because of this struggle. You know, moving here was a challenge. I shared a little bit before. We searched about 50 some odd days trying to find a place to live, 30 hours a week, uh, driving back and forth from Vegas on Saturdays. <clears throat> um, it was exhausting. I had a full-time job and obviously, you know, kids and everything else. And the temptation there and that struggle was, okay, well, I'm doing all that I can. I can't find what we're looking for. I'm exhausted. And so what happens when you feel, ex when you feel tired? You get, you get stressed out, right? You, you, you get short. You get impatient. You want to complain. You want to doubt and not trust God. Feeling this internal battle, like, I don't want to be short with my kids because I'm looking for a place to live. You know what I mean? And you fill in the blank for yourself. We all have something that we're going through that, that it just it pulls at us. And verse 24 says it best. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Point three, and this is kind of, uh, alludes to, uh, I guess if you're, if you're in high school or college, you'll probably understand these emojis. Uh, if you do understand these emojis, that means you have some sense of social media savviness, so which is great. Point number three is straight fire. It's not fire. It's fire. Straight fire, no cap. Straight fire. No cap. If that went up in dictionary, it says. Um, so straight fire is something like it's awesome, it's great, it's popular, it's fantastic. It's like, yeah, that's it. That is, and not fire, fire. Fire, okay. No cap. Bro, the, the theological depth for which we're reaching this morning, you're welcome. Uh, no cap. No cap means no lie. No lie. Like, I'm telling the truth right now. This, this is it. No cap. Romans 8. There is a litany of encouragement through the Holy Spirit in Romans 8. I'm going to do my best to go through this fast, but what my hope is in reading this and kind of quickly hearing this, how excited that we should be as going from this struggle in Romans 7 to seeing all the victory and all the encouragement that comes from God in Romans 8. Because your life can get busy, right? You can get hectic. You get choked out by the words of the world. And then you read Romans 8. Romans 8 says things like this. Therefore, there's no combination for those who are in Christ Jesus because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives us life has set you free from the law of sin and death. You are free from the consequences of not being able to adhere to those 600 plus commands. Amen. Next one. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, and anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to, next slide, Christ. <laughs> and we'll stop right there for that portion. The inability, the, the, no matter how hard I try and fall short, I remember distinctly being a 17, 18-year-old kid trying to live out the commands of God. I went to church because of a girlfriend at the time. I felt like the preacher was talking to me, if you can relate. I was like, how does this guy know about my personal life? I've never met you, but you keep on calling out my sin every single Sunday. 
I started reading the Bible three days a week. I tried to no longer be sexually moral, given to drunkenness or any other type of drugs. I did my best to try to change my life. And Romans 8 is the key. Romans 8 says, you know what? That, that fall shortness that you experience, that difficulty, that inability to live out God's desires, the Holy Spirit now allows you to be able to do so. Amen. Next one. Romans 8, 14, it mentions this notion that we are all, it says, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit uh, you receive does not make you a slave so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. God gives us a spirit that cries out to God, saying the words, Daddy. Let that sink in for a moment. Read, I've read that scripture before, but no, let that sink in for a moment. You have a spirit inside you that cries out to your dad in heaven. Can you feel that connection? Can you feel that encouragement? It's, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing to experience. Next one. It mentions that we're heirs. Because of the Holy Spirit, we're heirs with Christ. As we go through this earth and suffer, that we also share in his glory. Next one. It says in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness that we now have the Holy Spirit. When you don't know what to pray for, you're going through something and you're having a difficult time finding the words. The Spirit will intercede. It'll literally reach out and cry out to God and say, in some language, that we don't know quite what's coming out there, but it's exactly what God wants to hear. Interceding for us in prayer. Giving us the words that we don't even know we need. In Romans 8, 28, it mentions that God's working for our good in all things, that we're literally predestined by God to be glorified with him in heaven. In Romans 8, 37, it says that we're more than conquerors. Romans 8, 38 and 39, it says nothing separates us from the love of Christ, whether it's height or death or angels or demons or present, future, nothing in all creation. Romans 8 is a litany of encouragement and victories for all of us. The question for us this morning is how do you feel? Does your life right now feel like a Romans 7 struggle? And that's it? Do you feel like I'm taking one step forward spiritually and then I'm going two steps back? Do you feel like you're in this heavyweight bout and you don't even have your gloves up and you didn't even know you were in it until like five minutes ago? Is it a constant treading water? You're just trying to stay afloat. Or do you read and hear the words of Romans 8 and feel this tremendous sense of encouragement? Are you invigorated to be zealous for God? Do you feel like every day that you wake up, there's victories to be had? That you're more than a conqueror? That you're a son and daughter of God? that you're predestined to be glorified, that you have a Holy Spirit that now allows you to have the ability and the thoughts to please God. What is your experience this morning? The Holy Spirit brings people together. This is an eclectic group. This is a growing group. God is adding to the number. The Holy Spirit is that common denominator. Come on. We all struggle with sin. We all know we struggle with sin. When we come here, let's be honest about that. I'm married. I have marital issues. Surprise! 
Okay, I know you're like, well, can't believe that, Rhett. Actually, you looked at me, you're like, no, I know you have probably about 400 of those issues, and let me help you with some of them, Rhett. I wish, but we, we all, we already know it's mine, nine times ten. I have three kids that I need help with child rearing. I do. Uh, I'm new to the South Bay region, new to ministry. There's a lot of weaknesses that I need the Holy Spirit to help me with. There's many of you here that I need the, the, the life, the experiences, the words, the encouragement. In many respects, we kind of come here in humility. Amen. We want to help serve. We want to see God glorified. But it, it's, it's, a, it's a communal effort. Right. And Romans 7 and 8 highlight the struggle that not only are we in, but the victory that we can have together as a church. That's exciting. I can't wait to see what God does and is already doing right now with the South Bay Church. My hope and prayer is, is that we all get on board with that wave. Right. Not, not an agenda, not say, hey, this is what we're doing next, but the Holy Spirit that's inside you. The Holy Spirit that's inside you desires the glory of God. It desires to shepherd people. It desires to help people to know God. It desires to connect with others that know God. That's the Holy Spirit that we have. That's what God is doing right now with the South Bay Church. That's what God is doing right now, really across the globe. God tilled the soil for the past year. He worked on people's hearts extensively for the past year. We all know that. Some of us have lost family members and had to have Zoom funerals and didn't able to fully grieve. And thank you for the service that's coming up next week. Come on. So many different situations that we've gone through. And so when we think of this struggle with sin, and this will lead us into communion, we understand that we need a Savior. Amen. That we're wretched. Scripture says, you know, in, in some cases we can be, it says poor, pitiful, blind, blind and naked. Like almost like a rebuke in a sense. We are in desperate need of a God to reach down to the muck and mire, pull us out, and wash us clean. Amen. At this juncture, let's pray for communion. Father God, we thank you so much. We thank you so much, God, that you love us the way that you do. A love, God, that it's hard to really put into words. Your son came down, lived a perfect life, and gave us his as a ransom for all the things that we did. All the struggles with sin, we fell perfectly short. We thank you, God, for the love that you give us. We thank you for the body that was broken, the blood that was shed. We understand, God, in our struggle, we so desperately need you. As we take the, uh, the cup this morning, God, the bread and the juice, help us to reflect deeply on the love that you have for us and the love that we want to show you. Thank you, God, and praise for your son's most holy and perfect name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the South Bay Church Podcast. For other sermons, videos, upcoming events, and more about our church, please visit southbaychurch.us.